This is Defender Radio. Defender Radio is brought to you by Gates Wildlife Control and the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. It's the week of November 18th, 2013, and this is Michael Howie bringing you episode 107 of Defender Radio. Most weeks we try to present a variety of topics to you, offering various experts discussing various subjects. But this week there is disturbing news in Ontario, and we will be focusing on it for the duration of this episode. Defender Radio Special Report Late last week, the Ontario Ministry of Natural Resources announced that the spring bear hunt would return to the province in a limited scope. The hunt was originally cancelled in 1999 after years of battles from advocates, and backed by both science and popular opinion. But it is claims of an increased number of human-bear conflicts and a strong lobby from hunting groups that seem to have propelled forward this decision. Numerous advocacy groups, including APFA, have joined together to bring fact, science, and reason to the discussion of the spring bear hunt. Before I introduce our first guest, I want to address some of what the media has been showcasing as this story has aired across the province and Canada. Those who know me are aware I often sneer at television news. The ability to properly report on a major, complex story in a one- or two-minute segment is rare. That's not to say there isn't good television journalism. But in the coverage of the spring bear hunt, the worst has raised its ugly head. CTV's North Office produced two segments last week, shortly after the news of the announcement was leaked to the media. The first focused on politicians in the northern areas of the province, who did not oppose the hunt, but questioned various aspects, including the disallowing of non-national hunters, the limited scope of which zones would be able to participate, and the clear political agenda. But in the second segment, CTV North showed their true colors. Over a period of two minutes, they interviewed multiple hunters, all of whom supported the concept of a spring bear hunt. They aired allegations as fact, an increase in nuisance bears, dangers to families, and how a hunt is the only way to protect communities. CTV did do their due diligence and contact Mike McIntosh, president of Bear With Us Rehabilitation and Sanctuary, and the spokesperson for the advocacy groups pushing against the hunt. Mike is extremely articulate, as you will soon hear, has a vast amount of experience and knowledge with bears, and, as an added bonus, is a Northern Ontarian himself. His interview, which he reported to me took several minutes to complete with numerous questions, aired as 10 seconds. They shared an emotive response to a question rather than many, many facts Mike presented. Further to this, they did not challenge the unsubstantiated claims of hunters and northern politicians, who likely know there is either a lack of scientific evidence to support their views, or that existing science, in fact, opposes them. The dangers inherent in bear hunting, including baiting, hounding, and the usual concerns around firearms, were not mentioned. The long-term ecological impacts of bear hunting, including orphan cubs, disruption to a cohesive social structure, and potential for trophic cascading, were not discussed. While other media outlets have not done the bears any favor, CTV showed that they're more interested in making viewers and advertisers happy than they are in the news. It is vital that residents of all backgrounds, in all geographic locations, regardless of personal opinion, know the truth. When a large-scale media outlet like CTV sensationalizes, skips fact, and ignores science, it is not only shoddy journalism, it is dangerous. 
I'd like to now welcome the man of the week, Mike McIntosh, who will be answering some of the important questions about the return of the spring bear hunts. Hey Mike, let's jump straight in. Why are we being told that we need a spring bear hunt in Ontario? Well, uh, what the reasons they state might be uh, close to the truth. I think they're trying to appease some voters and trying to gain some votes. Uh, but their methodology, their methodology, I can't see it being effective because there's enough scientific reports to, uh, even from the government's own Ministry of Natural Resources, would suggest that a spring bear hunt of any sort in Ontario is not going to help control nuisance bears. Has there actually been an increase in nuisance bear calls in Ontario? Well, um, the pro-hunt organizations can say that with, uh, without a lot of, um, expecting a lot of backlash because they didn't start recording nuisance bear calls to the bear hotline until 2004. Yeah, I think it was 2004. 2003 or 2004. So prior to that, there was really no record of nuisance bears accurately kept. I mean, nuisance bears calls. And then uh, the other problem is when they start recording nuisance bear calls, um, are they getting 10 calls from the same bear? And that's quite often the case because the bear's roaming through the neighborhood. You know, it's going to go across 10 or 20 lawns, and potentially 10 or 20 people might make that call. Are nuisance bears up? Uh, don't think so. And it's not just me. I listened to an interview on CBC Radio by Dr. Joseph Hammer. He studied this. Uh, he works as a teacher at Cambrian College in Sudbury. Um, nuisance bear calls, or nuisance bear activity, he said there's no scientific evidence that it's up. He said it is related to natural environment, food available for wild bears, and people's habits, i.e. keeping garbage away and bird feeders put away when they shouldn't have them out. The other interesting thing that's been uh, spread around a fair bit lately by the pro-bear hunt lobby is about the number of bear attacks. Um, uh, as Dr. Joseph Hammer's uh, data suggests, in the 13 years that the bear hunt has been gone, there's been one person killed in Ontario by a black bear. Um, in the 1990s, uh, there were three people killed. That was when the spring bear hunt was on. That was a nine-year period. Three people killed. After the bear hunt was gone, one. That's not really that, uh, you know, they, they might try and blow it out of proportion, but the, the chance of being attacked and killed by a bear are very, very slim. So then the other thing they're using this year is a number of bear, <clears throat> bear injuries. And there's been, uh, a cor- apparently there's been five. Um, four of them, people were accompanied by the dogs. So the question is, were the bears actually retaliating to the dogs or the people? Uh, well, uh, two people never were touched at all. And, uh, and I think three people had some relatively minor injuries, definitely not life-threatening. So, uh, if you're with a dog, you know, what, who's the bear trying to defend itself against? So there's not a lot of um, evidence that suggests that bears are dangerous or more dangerous than they were prior to the cancellation of spring bear hunt in 1999. In all of these discussions, we're being told that the hunt is necessary and that cancelling it led to problems. But data from the Ministry of Natural Resources show that pre-1999, the combined spring and fall bear hunts resulted in an average of 4,000 bears being killed per year. But now, with just the fall hunt, it's 5,000 bears being killed per year. Is this more of the ongoing misinformation from hunting groups? Well, it is. Uh, but 
um, you know, the, the 4,000 bears that were killed, that was, uh, you know, the few years preceding the end of the hunt. If you go back a few years beyond that, the number goes up slightly. But there's another dynamic that's changed as well. Back when the spring bear hunt was on in the 1990s, uh, the Canadian dollar was 84, 85 cents compared to the U.S. dollar. It was a bargain for U.S. hunters to come here and shoot animals in general, bears included. They could buy the food, gas, everything cheaper because of the difference in the dollar, including the cost of the bear hunt. Um, that's no longer the case. The, uh, the dollar now, you know, for the last several years has been par or close one way or the other. Right now it's slightly under. But, so the, the um, the are going to complain about the loss of revenue. Well, that revenue is gone, not because of the bear hunt, but because of the difference in the economy and the difference in the dynamics between the U.S. market and the Canadian market, which has affected the dollar. So uh, why are they bringing the hunt back? Well, they they say they're trying to appease, you know, the mayors of local towns or cities across the north, give them uh, an avenue to try and reduce nuisance bears. And police forces up there are calling for it too. Can't blame them. Because the Ministry of Natural Resources had an excellent tool to deal with nuisance bears and, and perceived problems. It was an educational tool called BearWise, but also had, um, was able to, the MNR was able to send out trained bear techs to live trap and relocate or uh, scare the bear away by aversive conditioning. That BearWise program was gutted, all pretty well dismantled by the wind government or the liberal government because they were trying to save money. So now, uh, Police forces in these various towns and cities across the north are suddenly responsible for customers' complaints, or, or I should say residents' complaints about nuisance bears, when the MNR is no longer allowed to do that. And the same with uh, residents. They call the MNR, they get, a, they get an education online, put your bird feeder away, put your garbage away, but that's all we can do. You know, there's no more help. If the bear sticks around, they have to call the police. The police weren't happy to start with, and they were down out of this job because they have enough issues to worry about as it is. So the mayors or whoever is in charge of the cities and towns across the north weren't happy because they had nowhere to go. They had to throw their hands up, and neither were police forces. So I can understand that position. However, if you need to fix that problem, bring back the tool that already was working and maybe enhance it or expand it. Uh, but why do this? From what I understand on the interviews I've done the last couple of days, nobody's happy. Well, maybe the mayors of the towns are, but not the hunters for sure. If the spring bear hunt begins moving forward in earnest, will the perceived problem with bears in northern Ontario change? Is the situation going to change? Uh, well, there's, not a, there's no real um, credible way to measure the success or the lack of success with this initiative. Makes me wonder if that's intentional. And... Um, one issue that hasn't been mentioned, you know, the orphan cub situation, the potential orphan cubs is real. But I think there's an issue that's uh, equal to that for sure. Bears come out of the den in, say, early April to mid-April, depending on the snow melt. They're now going to be hunted from the 1st of May on. So bear hunters, bear outfitters, whoever is trying to attract a resident hunter, even if it's a resident hunter himself, will start setting up bait as soon as the snow is going away and start artificially feeding these bears junk food up until the start of the hunt, at least until the end of the hunt. However, that's not a reality either. Uh, the hunt ends on June the 15th. 
On August the 15th, in that same areas, those same areas, the hunt starts again for the fall, only a two-month gap. So the smart baiter or outfitter is going to feed those bears garbage food from snowmelt to snowfall to keep the bears coming around. So what's the result? Well, basically we have the situation the same as garbage dumps that used to be plentiful in the north. Uh, you have a much higher density of bears than you should have. Bears might, you know, there might be two or three bears per 10 square kilometers. Now all these bears are going to move into where the unnatural food is. So you have a much higher density of bears, just like a garbage dump. Uh, so what if, what if uh, a canoeer or a hiker or a camper wants to do what they enjoy on Crown Land? They don't know where the bear baiting sites are. But if they happen to camp near one of them, there's a good chance they'll be, you know, in the path of a parade of bears heading to the local bait site. What can people in Ontario and across the country do to try and help protect our bears? Well, I think what a lot of people need to do, uh, very respectfully, they need to try and learn about the black bear so they lose their fear and gain some awe and respect. Because of the, so much information has been spread around for the last few years by hunter lobby groups that a lot of people are misinformed and therefore afraid. They're either neutral to the hunt or all for it just because they believe what they've heard. If they if they spend a bit of time just doing a bit of research, it's easy to do online, they'd probably find out that the animal isn't anything like the animal as it's been portrayed. If they already feel strongly against the hunt, absolutely write letters to the premier, to the papers, letter to the editor, and um, form letters I don't think are the best solution. You know, an individual letter shortened to the point. I oppose the spring hunt. I don't like baiting. I don't want to see any bear cubs orphaned. You know, whatever it is. But that's, that's probably the main points. And send a letter to the editor and the premier. Same letter. And just inundate this government with letters. Because that will help um, subsequent governments realize that they don't want to put their toe on this, you know, politically hot potato. And it may also help the uh, the whole population who has to deal with bears maybe learn a little more. Unfortunately, when the spring hunt was canceled in 1999, um, you know, a lot of the public education was drawn back. But the pro-hunt education, trying to misinform the public to get their way, never stopped. I think uh, a lot of us are groups who have some following and uh, have ability to get the message out. We need to get the message out as individual people, individual groups, but have the same message. I'm getting the impression that a lot of hunters and politicians are trying to turn this into a North versus South debate. Yes, and I think, uh, yeah, and that, you know, the 1999 and prior, before the hunt was cancelled, it appeared to be the way it was uh, shared in the papers that it was a North against the South. So alienated a lot of people in the North. Who how dare some people who never go out in the bush tell us what to do? Well, I don't think that holds any water because um, there's a lot of people in the North who are well-educated and think and are looking for better solutions. You know, we're not back in the 1800s now where the best solution was to load your gun and, sh- and blow away chipmunks, squirrels, hummingbirds, bears, whatever the animal is. We, we have brains. We should be using them. And... Um, I don't think the North versus South is going to hold water here because uh, there's a lot of people in the North who appreciate the wildlife to get to coexist with. They want to learn better how to do it. And uh, the people who, the, the letter, you know, the, the information I've got back in the last few days is interesting. Most of people who support the spring bear hunt are also 
stating in their comments that, yes, we have too many bears, we need to kill them. We also need to kill more wolves and coyotes. Uh, in the same comment, that tells me that these people are not for wildlife conservation or ecosystem management. They're for the artificial manipulation of wildlife populations so they can shoot more, like deer and moose. And, Michael, you mentioned one thing about hunters versus non-hunters. This is not a hunter versus non-hunter issue because from the feedback that's come through the years and even lately, many hunters would do not support the spring bear hunt and they do not support baiting up bears to hunt them because that is not hunting. We'll be back with Mike for more about bears in Northern Ontario and Bear With Us Rehabilitation and Sanctuary after this short break and an interview with Paul Secaspina of Oracle Pole. I am Brad Gates, owner of Gates Wildlife Control. Do you have raccoons or squirrels living in your attic? Did you know that the hole in your roof is letting water in, your insulation is being ruined, and they could be chewing on your electrical wiring? Protect your biggest investment. We will come to your house and provide you with a no-obligation free estimate. Please visit our website at gateswildlifecontrol.com or dial 416-750-9453. After a night out with your friends, there are always options for getting home safely. You could call your BFF, take a cab, or maybe you'll grab the last bus. Now there's a smartphone app to help you choose your ride. Find out more at arrivealive.org. Every year, dogs, cats, endangered species, and even people are caught in cruel, leg-hold, conibear, and other body-gripping traps across Canada. Who will speak out for these innocent victims of an outdated industry? We will. I'm Leslie Fox, Executive Director of the Association for the Protection of Fur-Bearing Animals. With your support, we can bring an end to the needless and painful deaths of hundreds of thousands of animals. Become a member today at FurBearerDefenders.com to find out how you can give hope for our fur-bearing friends. This is Defender Radio. Paul Segaspina, president of Oracle Poll Research, conducted a province-wide poll on opinions regarding the spring bear hunts, the component practices required, and the political sentiments of those involved. Paul joins us now to share those findings and what they mean. Paul, let's start out with the methodology of the poll. How was it conducted? This was a telephone poll, uh, all telephone, random uh, selection, 850 Ontarians, broken up by region, proportionally by region. Uh, it was done on fairly quick notice. We um, signed off on the questionnaire, I believe, on, on that Thursday, on the 8th, and they needed numbers. I, they weren't sure when the hunt was going to be announced, 13th or 14th, so we had to pump out members by the morning of the 13th, which we did. So we, is the 9th of the 12th, 850 randomly selected Ontario voters by telephone. Is this a reliable method of evaluating the sentiments of the population at large? Very reliable. 
I mean, when you look at sample sizes, it's a very robust sample. A lot of firms will even run with a 500-person poll. Like with this 850-person poll, I mean, if we ran the same sample nationally, we'd have the same error rates. Once you get beyond that certain threshold of the population base, your error rates don't really change. So it's upwards or downwards, uh, what are we at, 3.4% 19 out of 20 times. So the numbers could be, uh, you know, could vacillate, uh, you know, if you're looking at a 50% number, it could be up, upwards of uh, uh, 53.4 and um, uh, or down to 46.6 so or 46.7. So that's, those numbers are very, very solid. And once again, it, it is telephone, it's not IVR, so the methodology is solid. I mean, with, with telephone, you, it's still the best way to collect data. I mean, you can control your samples. You can, uh, you know, you can watch your quotas, your gender splits, your age, income splits, so on and so forth. And it is, it is representative of all the regions of the province. What did we learn from the results of the poll? Well, I mean... We asked a, a series of vote intent and leader, leader questions. I mean, but notwithstanding that, I mean, you know, there's pretty, pretty low awareness of, of, uh, anything about bear hunting in Ontario across the board. I mean, the highest resonance is in the north and in central Ontario and in rural, rural areas. Um, when you're looking at, um, you know, the question about the reinstatement of the hunt, you know, half of, half of Ontarians as a whole oppose it. Only 26% support it. And, and there's almost there are almost a quarter or 24 percent that just don't know or are unsure at this point. So you're in majority opposition territory, and only 26 are in support of that right now. Um, but you know, when you look at the numbers, it's there's a, there's a gender split. Number one, 37 percent of males, only 18 percent of females. Tory voters have the highest percentage of those wanting hunt. Um, those in the north, you know, two thirds of the of northern residents. Uh, are in support of the hunt. Only 16% of, of Toronto residents, only 12% of, uh, you know, Eastern, Eastern Ontario residents are in support of the hunt. So there are regional divides. There's some gender divides on that. And obviously there are political divides on, you know, just a question of support or opposition for, for the hunt as a whole. Um, when you start looking into some of the, uh, you know, favorability ratings of aspects of the hunt, you know, once again, these numbers really haven't changed that much since 1999. I mean, 80% of Ontarians have an unfavorable view of the fact that, you know, bear, bear cubs could be orphaned as a result of a hunt, that, you know, mother mothers could be killed uh, in the spring and baby bears would be orphaned. Um, and, you know, the other number that we just talked about, having U.S. hunters coming into Canada, 70% have an unfavorable view of U.S. hunters coming into Canada. What other opinions did the poll reveal about the hunts? We asked a question also about dogs. Dogs are used in the hunt as well. 63% unfavorable rating about that. We did ask a question about bear baiting. Um, 71% have an unfavorable view of, of bear, bear baiting. Only 9% favorable uh, view and 9% didn't know. Uh, you know, and the numbers, you know, even the northern numbers, only 50% had a favorable view in the north of Ontario of, of hunting or, or bear baiting in, in hunting. 
Um, so even in the north, I mean, it's, you know, voters are split. You know, Tory voters, once again, have a higher percentage, 33% compared to 20% overall. Males, 37 compared to 20% overall. And rural residents, 28% compared to, you know, the 20% overall number. So, yeah, it's a 71% unfavorable rating for bear baiting. It sounds like while a lot of people may not be opposed to the hunt itself in theory, there is still a lot of concern with the methods that are really necessary uh, when we talk about bear hunting. Oh, the, yeah, definitely. When you get into the aspects of the hunting, the unfavorable ratings are like, and the highest unfavorable rating is, you know, the fact that baby bears or bear cubs could be orphaned and U.S. hunters, baiting itself is, you know, 71% unfavorable. Use of dogs, 63% unfavorable. When you get into the aspects of the hunt, yeah, you know, people do, people, are, you know, don't view it as a very positive, uh, you know, event or experience at all. How can we as individuals and as advocacy organizations use this data, uh, the data that we collect through polls like this? We, uh, I'm going to liken this to the pesticide campaign that we started back, once again, back in the late 90s with uh, Toronto Environmental Alliance, Key, when we, in, and then with CAPE, uh, Coalition of Physicians for the Environment, when we were doing pesticide ban uh, research. And we were going community to community to community, and uh, you know we we asked citizens about pesticides awareness, of, you know pesticide issues. Are they would they be concerned if pesticides result of this this this? You know groundwater, everything, you know uh, threats to children, threats to pets. We went into council meetings where um, you know debates were up, and now there's a provincial wide ban which we you know helped work on as well. But you know councils, Toronto, Ottawa. You, you know, pick, pick a community, London, you know, and we went in there and the industry is saying, well, you know, our people are saying that they want to keep pesticides. Well, Cape or, or T or whoever we were working for on these issues went in there armed with polling data saying, well, here's the reality. I mean, you know, there's majority opposition overall, like, you know, almost eight and 10 across the board. Uh, you know, when, when you're dealing with some of the health risks, you're dealing with 70 to 90 percent, depending on the issue, that are concerned about these risks. And uh, your counselor, I mean, uh, this is how these results break out by your, you know, your ward or, you know, um, your error. And here are your favorability ratings. And this is how it's going to impact on you. So, I mean, the industry really didn't have a leg to stay on. They were relying on your saying, we think, we think. You know, but Caper, these guys were going in there armed with, with legitimate polling data. And I mean, we just did something in D.C. for them as well on uh, on this issue that validated the government's, you know, attempt to, you know, you know, put, put, put limits on the use of cosmetic pesticides. So that's how it can be used. I mean, it can be used in a rational theater when, where, you know, where you have a rational council that's going to look at numbers and say, well, this is where our citizens stand or sit on this issue. That was Paul Secaspina of Oracle Poll Research. The results of the poll and more information are available on his website at www.oraclepoll.com. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. You're listening to Defender Radio. The average North American consumes five times more than a Mexican, ten times more than a Chinese person, and 30 times more than a person from India. We are the most voracious consumers in the world. A world that could die 
because of the way we North Americans live. Give it a rest. November 26 is Buy Nothing Day. Bearsmart.com is the most comprehensive resource on the web for all things bear. At Bearsmart.com, we work hard to ensure people and bears safely and respectfully coexist. Join us as we give bears a voice at Bearsmart.com. Have you ever heard a coyote sing? Did you know that coyotes are also called North America's song dogs? They communicate through unique howls, yips, and barks. At Coyote Watch Canada, we're committed to fostering peaceful coexistence for communities and their wildlife neighbors by building compassionate wildlife communities one community at a time. Please visit us at coyotewatchcanada.com for more information and tips about this amazing Keystone species. This is Defender Radio. We earlier heard from Mike McIntosh, president and founder of Bear With Us Rehabilitation and Sanctuary. While Mike is the face of the animal advocacy campaign against the return of the spring bear hunt, he normally spends his days caring for orphaned and injured bears, as well as a few who are unable to return to the wild. Mike now rejoins Defender Radio to tell us a bit more about Bear With Us and the day-to-day work he conducts. So, Mike, how did you end up starting Bear With Us? Well, I've, uh, as I, when I was uh, in school, specifically high school, I was, my interest in wildlife is varied, but uh, I, I really became uh, intrigued by predators because uh, from what I read about them, you know, it, um, I think they get a bad rap. And you take a look, a book about bears 20 years ago and take a book about bears today, there's a lot of information that has changed. So the goal of Bear With Us, which was started in 1992, was to rehabilitate and release back to the wild orphan and injured bears, which is a hands-on part. The uh, important part also is the education part, and that is helping people understand bears so we can coexist. So they're not the dangerous, long-toothed, long-clawed animal that is looking to tear people apart. Yeah, it's exactly the opposite. And most bears are primarily vegetarian. Some are totally vegetarians. The uh, claws and the teeth are used for tearing logs apart and turning over rocks and occasionally for eating meat. But, uh, you know, again, it's not, uh, it's not the case with all bears. So we are afraid of bear attacks as, as a general population. As Chief Dan George said, what people fear is they destroy. And um, it's so true with bears as, is, as it is in sharks and snakes and some other species. The, um, the bear as an animal as we know it, when it becomes conditioned to human presence, I don't like the word habituated because I think that's used far too widely, but when bears get conditioned to human activity, those bears as of yet, there is not a record of a bear attacking and severely injuring anybody. That is, so a bear that comes around to somebody's bird feeder, wanders through a cottage area, is used to people, they, those bears don't attack people. So what about the bear that attacks the innocent hiker hiking with the dogs on the trail? Well, bears have been previously chased by dogs, maybe a hunter's hounds, or shot at by people, is far more likely to react in a self-defense means by quick attack than running than a bear that has never had a negative experience. So these things can't be proven. 
However, there's other bear um, behaviors that are starting to see this. The way we treat bears, we make dangerous bears. They're not born that way. Uh, education is important. If, uh, if I could do a great job, bears have to be put out of business as far as the rehabilitation process goes. However, that's not realistic. Uh, bears has released 344 bear cubs back to the wild since its inception, orphan and injured bears total. And in all the years of dealing with bears, including relocating nuisance bears, which is you know around 200, to, I've never had a bear act aggressively toward me. Bear behavior is often misinterpreted, sometimes on purpose, sometimes most of the time by accident. A bear stomping its feet on the ground, cocking its teeth snorting and maybe making a two or three step rush towards somebody is not a dangerous bear. That bear is simply asking in bear language for people to leave, leave it more space. It's, it, you're encroaching on the bear's space. Back off, which we recommend back off slowly. Um, often though, a bear that behaves that way is uh, interpreted as, a, as an aggressive bear or a dangerous bear and dispatched or killed. The hunting community makes use of that because half of them don't understand bear behavior either. But um, it, you know, it also becomes useful in trying, you know, promoting hunting because that reduces the, the potential of a dangerous bear or, or an aggressive bear. That totally, in my opinion, flies against the face of reality. Like I mentioned before, dangerous bears are made by the way we treat them. They're not born. You've rescued, treated, and released hundreds of bears. Where are all of them coming from? Well, I think the sad part is, though, that uh, that's just a, a needle in... That's just... That's nothing. The, the bears that uh, bear with us and other animal rehabbers have been able to help and return to the wild, these are ones that people who have seen that needed help, that cared enough to call and try and get help for that animal, a bear in this case. Um... If we're talking about injured bears in the wild from hunting and uh, orphan cubs that starve to death because their mother's been shot by a hunter, this happens in the fall, of course, um, we don't hear about those because uh, the hunter's not going to say anything, and a lot of times it's deep in the bush. So we're, we're dealing with a very, very small, minute percentage of what's really going on. Somebody hits a bear in the highway and injures it, a lot of people see it. Somebody makes a call, so that bear might get help. But... Uh, when these things happen in the hunting season back in the bush or in the middle of summer when somebody just takes a shot at one for fun, we don't hear about those, don't know about them. Are most of the injuries you see naturally occurring or are they related directly to human activities? Well, the way I word it is, the, the orphan animals that we get and the injured animals that we get is always a result of human activity. So whether they're shot you know, and injured during the hunting season shot or injured during, you know, in the summertime where somebody took a shot at them illegally as a nuisance bear or whatever, hit by a car, hit by an ATV on a trail and people are booting down the trail, they hit a cub. Um, that's all human activity. So leaving the garbage out in the back deck, you know, food in it or the bird cedars full of sunfire seed, um, you know, that's still human activity that's causing the bear problems. Uh, Dr. Ben Rogers has done a study trying, you know, he says 95% of the bears, 95% of a wild bear population is shot by hunters. Another 2 or 3% are hit in the roads or killed illegally or shot as nuisances. We might have 1% or less that lives to actual old age. 
Well, um, the Ministry of Natural Resources of Ontario says that an old bear in Ontario would be 18 to 20 years. However, it's only old, it only is gets to 18 to 20 years old because nobody's killed it yet. The oldest bear on record that was, um, you know, has been tracked died in July of 2013. In Minnesota, she'd been radiocolored for over 25 years. She died at the age of 39 and a half of natural causes. Extremely rare because, like I just mentioned, 98% of them or 99% of them never make it to actually old age because of human activity. There's something I think I'd like to end on, and I think it's something that maybe isn't talked about enough. It's a simple question. Why is it important to protect Ontario's black bears? We need to have bears thrive. They're, they're, uh, they're at the top of the evolutionary scale. Um, they're, not, they're omnivores like people. They like to eat what we like to eat, which can cause the human-bear conflicts if we're not careful with our food. We can coexist with them because we're not really competing with them except for space and habitat. Um, if the bears can't thrive in Ontario... That means other species which are in the evolutionary scale below them won't be thriving either, which means there's something wrong with the food we eat and something wrong with the water we drink. And I think there is no doubt that people who have an intolerance for animals um, also have an intolerance for people. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's far much, much further reaching than what it would simply... Uh, indicate just by one species of animal not doing all. To find out more about Mike and Bear With Us, visit him online at www.bearwithus.org. I'd like to thank you all for joining us this week for this special episode of Defender Radio. With your help, we can put a stop to the spring bear hunts and the tragedies that will befall these important and beautiful creatures. To find out how you can get involved in our ongoing efforts, visit FurBearDefenders.com. As always, I want to thank Gates Wildlife Control for their ongoing support of this program and remind all of you that even in these dark days, we can stay informed and stay strong. We'll see you next time.